There are times to stay put and what you want will come to you. And there are times to go out into the world and find such a thing for yourself. Lemony Snicket. The Dragon Pod from Bending Not Breaking. Book Four, Earth. Chapter Five, The Great Gates. Welcome back to another episode of The Dragon Pod. I am Ben Pruitt, your host, and I am just so excited that we get to talk about The Great Gates today. But as I've mentioned in every episode so far, we have had an incredible cast of guests joining us this season. And this episode, again, is no exception. I am thrilled to introduce to all of you, uh, for many of you for the... M- nth time i guess you've you've been introduced to this person before he's been on the podcast several times jason simpson he his is with us today he's a very kind-hearted person for those of you who know him from previous episodes very generous with his time and he's perhaps most known to us as the voice of Viren on the dragon prince but he has a long history of voices that you've heard in a variety of places television video games alike and He's also a dad. He has lovely children and a not-so-lovely tarantula, but he can't win all the time. So that's how it goes. Jason, how are you today? <laughs> I, <laughs> I am very well. Thank you so much. Uh, I do have lovely children. They're teenagers. They challenge me every day as I challenge them. And I also do have a lovely uh, tarantula uh, that uh, just brings me joy, which is such a bizarre thing for me to hear myself saying after... 40 years of just sheer terror uh, and irrational fear of spiders. So um, quite a quite a, a 180 there. But thank you for bringing You realized that you were scared of them before you got the tarantula. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I just sort of educated. I didn't say I don't want to say educated myself. I became educated simply by holding one and mm-hmm. having the woman who uh, put it on my hand uh, describe what tarantulas really are and what they're like and uh everything just sort of went wow this is actually very very cool and now i now i love my tarantula wow i have an irrational fear i think of if somebody were to put one on me i i just have i think my body would react and just flail (laughs) um yeah Yeah, i totally understand that Been, been there alas well uh we know a little bit about you we know about uh your previous episodes, but let's, it's been a while. So I would love to uh, just check in and see what's, what's new, what's been going on in your life since it's been, I guess, a while at this point. So anyway, tell me about what's going on. Just in my personal life. Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty boring person. Uh, I get, I get older and more boring and grumpy and just that troll who wants to live under his bridge and have no one come near it. Uh, but I have, as I said, I have two teenagers and uh, I do quite enjoy life with them. They are, like I said, challenging, but I have to simply recall what I was like as a teenager. And that certainly tempers my uh, expectations and my judgments 
because yeah. I was I was quite a teenager. So I see that in my own kids and I actually learn quite a bit from them day to day. We love that. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you don't if you don't take that time to actually see what it is they're teaching you, and I don't want to sound like some really, really smart. I'm not. It's just yeah. <laughs> we we you know, we go to counseling together, we uh experience everything we can. I try to anyway. And uh if I don't actually just stop and look at what I'm learning from them, uh I I I realize how much I'm missing out in life because they mm. bring so much life in them. It's a, it's incredible. So not to make that all about my kids, but really that's where my life that's what my life revolves around. My kids yeah. and my my wife and so my wife's a medical professional. She deals with very uh serious traumatic things in people's lives so you know i i stand in front of a microphone and make fart noises and voices <laughs> and that brings people joy and my wife um, deals with very serious life altering issues in people's lives and she brings them comfort and healing and so we're very opposite but that keeps me very very grounded so yeah that's life yeah. it's it's helpful to be grounded and have have a touchstone that, that you can always refer back to, to remind you of how things are going and what's going on in life. Absolutely. I'm a very emotional person. Mm. So I, I, I eat through all of my emotions or eat my emotions. As they say, <laughs> I cry through all my emotions. I'm, I can be very, uh, um, I can be very, I can, my anger can flash my, my, I can be quite grumpy and uh, irrational at times. And, so having someone like her in my life just keeps me level and reminds me yeah. that not everything's about me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's interesting. I'm just thinking about, I can't help but think about comparing that with Viren just because sure. <laughs> um, of who I'm speaking with. But I, I'm thinking about his line of get a grip, right? <laughs> <laughs> and like, how do you handle all these feelings? And it sounds like you're this person who just feels them and yeah. Viren's this person who's like get a grip <laughs> uh very different uh yeah. take on, on emotion there that's a very very strong and truthful observation that i did not uh pass me by when i read that <laughs> i thought hmm, i could take i could use some of that advice in my own life quite often i think oh. i've had my wife say to me would you just 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 smarten up or or, or something along those lines and she's allowed to say that kind of stuff to me because she loves me and she gets me and, uh -huh. I, have to, and I go, Oh yeah. Right. Okay. Just, just calm down. <laughs> Get a grip. Yeah. So that's very truthful. Yeah. Well, I'm sure Viren could also learn quite a bit from you on the other side of that as well. Absolutely. I have a lot to teach him, but he's just not taking my advice. <laughs> One day, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, I would love to just kind of go right on in and dive into our first segment, which is this, this segment called the primal source. And in this instance, you are our primal source. So I would love to hear, we're talking about the great gates today. Mm -hmm. And this is a really neat episode. We meet a lot of new characters. We, there's a lot of things that happen here. And I'd love to just, is there anything that's interesting in the making of these episodes from behind the scenes uh, or fun details that we might be able to to learn about from you uh, in the making of this episode. Um, uh, well, I mean, there's 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 
you know, we jumped into this in right in the middle of COVID. Yeah. So we had quite a shift in the technical aspect, how we recorded this. And I certainly made a note a number of times how it really forced me to realize, I already realized this, but how much I love my friends, my castmates. Yeah. I love being in the room with them. And not only that, how their performances inform my performance. Absolutely. And then when they're not in the room with you, you have to, um, you have to change those gears a little bit. It's no different than doing uh, ADR anime work and quite a, quite a bit of commercial work, voice work, of course, and uh, um, some animation video game work. It's quite a solo job. Mm-hmm. When you're used to working as a cast, you have that comfort. There's a safety in these numbers, even if your character's an outcast or they're the villain or or they get separated from people, you're still there as friends. And yeah. going in, recording by ourselves, although we would record like this, we'd be in two different studios and we'd be on Zoom, um, there was almost like a, like I just wanted to look at my cast man and just grab them and hold them and say, we're doing this together, but we're far apart. Yeah. And that 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 did definitely inform the the read quite a bit, but at the same time we try we you know you have to remain professional and just do your job. But I missed mm-hmm. uh, so finding those times to uh, get together whenever we could physically, which wasn't often in in, yeah. a, in you know a year and a half two years, but it, there was such a, a, a lovely strong connection with these people I've grown to love and their family now. Uh, so there was that. Um, that was a big change. Um, that reminds me of this moment yeah. that Jesse talked about early on in one of our episodes, which was this moment where during one of your conversations, uh, Viren's conversations with Soren, mm-hmm. uh, you, while acting, like put your hand on his shoulder and 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 he was like, <gasps> and it was a big change for him in the scene. And so it just reminds me of those little little things that get lost. Um, and it's not not saying that it, anything was sacrificed or lost from in that regard, but just how it changes the nature of the way you work. Um, but I'm just reminded of that description from what Jesse offered us of that moment. Yeah, that makes me a little tearful actually right now. Um, because we, I, I just don't, this show is very special in that uh, don't have that kind of connection in a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And this show is really affords us the opportunity to come together as artists and create something so special. It has its, it has its, uh, sure there's off moment, like forget story, forget char- the character arc. I'm just talking strictly about artists working together. Um, yeah. And uh we have those opportunities and they, they don't come along a lot. So uh, there's been a few of those moments. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that, that gives me this rush of emotion because uh, it's so lovely to be a part of that. It's like doing a theater play, a, yeah. theater, a stage play rather, and having that connection, that physical connection with somebody and having the audience see it. But yeah. this is, this, there's no audience in there. It's just us. And that means an awful lot when we're there working, having that connection. Yeah. It's, and it's so like, I love, I I also perform, right. I'm coming from a musical background and it's, it's so weird to me to think about like part of the rush of performance is, is the connection with your audience. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
it's not the same when you're doing it alone. And there are some times where you like, man, that was really good, but it's coming from a different perspective. It's not coming from a connective success or connective affirmation. Whereas when you're in the room with your audience, there is this connection with the people you're, you're creating for. Um, and it's, it, it strikes me as interesting because there's such a delayed gratification for voice actors in that regard, because you had to wait for years, <laughs> literally for this to come out after, after recording it. And um, I'm just curious about what that is like. Well, there is that anticipation, of course. Yeah. <laughs> knowing, knowing what, uh, recording something and knowing, like you said, for a couple of years, knowing that this information is going to come out and it's going to blow some people's minds and some people aren't going to be happy. You can't please everyone. Yeah. There is, that's part of the anticipation going, oh, who's going to be ticked off by this or who's going to have complaints <laughs> or who's going to be, who's going to whine about this detail. Uh, and let me say this, uh, when I say whine, I mean, I'm a whiner. We look at things that we, that we want or yep. love and, and it doesn't go the way we think it should. And we go, oh, what, why? Uh, that's so I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking more about fulfillment of our own desires when it comes Absolutely. to Absolutely. Yeah. But, uh, it's hard. I love talking about s stuff that makes me happy. Yeah. So it was difficult. It's difficult to keep all those in all that information in, but yeah, there is that great anticipation of, oh, people are going to love this. Mm -hmm. People are going to find this so exciting. Um, especially going out of season three into four with my character discovering what happens to him, the time jump and stuff. <laughs> big deal. So, yeah, it's a big deal. Um, so, yeah, that was not easy to hold in, but you just kind of set it and forget it, as they say. You do your work and then you move on and then yeah. somehow time flies by and people then get to see it. Fascinating. Yeah. Oh, well, that was awesome. Thank you for being the primal source here. There was a lot of, um, I think that was a rich uh, information for us to have. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, no problem. So when we were kind of going back and forth around this episode, we were kind of thinking about different lenses and you ultimately chose this lens of seeking. And so we're going to be talking about seeking today. And I'm, I'm curious, uh, just what is your relationship with, with seeking? And do you have any stories in which you have been in relationship with seeking um well i yeah i mean i'm an actor and i've always wanted to be an actor since i was uh single digits in age so i went from wishing i was an actor living in hollywood because that's where all actors live and how do i get there from my little tiny prairie town in southern alberta to growing and realizing, oh, it's Vancouver, it's the West Coast, I can do whatever I need to do there. And then I got there and 20 years into my career, there's still things I haven't done that I want to do. And there is a constant, there's a great fulfillment with my job. Like there's a, a great uh, um, feeling fulfilled in the work that I get to do. And yet there is this continuous, it's not a nagging so much as this pulse of, I need to do more. Mm -hmm. I want to do more. I need to perform and create and just get out there and do more. It's not about fame and fortune. It's about, certainly there's the aspect of, I need to do this work to provide for my family. Yeah. But I've never worked in anything that 
in jobs when I was younger that uh, gave me this feeling of, I love this work so much, I can't wait to wake up and go do it. Um, so I'm always, I think there's always that seeking, uh, it's not, it's not validation. It's, uh, part of it's validation. It's nice when people say, Hey, you do great job. Absolutely. You do great work in your, in your job. But, uh, see, uh, yeah, the seeking of, um, wanting to, um, do more. Yeah. It's never, it's, it will never be, that will never be, uh, satiated. I don't think it'll never be fulfilled because when does it stop? When I'm yeah. dead, I guess. So I, I, I'd like to get into the weeds a little bit and ask you some specific questions about that. And yeah. specifically, uh, how, specifically how you experience that feeling, whether it is a, an active seeking or a passive yearning in which it, it seems like there's this, this weird because I, I experience that too, and sometimes I experience that 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 I'm going to use the language of calling, or um, I'm being called to or pulled to something, right. versus this I am actively seeking this to accomplish something or to get something. And I'm curious, like, does that make sense in terms of where yeah. I'm curious what your reflection is on that? Well, it's both active. I have to be actively seeking it. That's part of what I or we people call the hustle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just moving forward to put myself in the work where I can mm -hmm. to be seen, to be brought into the work um, or else I, I just sit and no one's knocking on my door. The more, the further I get in my career, people do knock on my door more, but uh, not as much as I would like. Uh, because I'm lazy and I get scared very easily of failure and judgment. And it's easier for me to say, I'm not going to actually put my foot forward for this because I don't want to be disappointed or let anyone down. So I have to get past that and push myself. So there's that active. The passive is a lot more painful and taxing on me emotionally, spiritually, physically. Uh, it's that it is that yearning and that idea that because I'm not where I want to be, or I'm not doing the work I want, I'm failing mm. and mm -hmm. I'm not good enough. So it's uh, it's a horrible feeling that I've had all my entire life, as far back as I can remember. Yeah. And I'm very old. So it's been a long time, just a lot of judgment, self-judgment, self-doubt and working past that takes an awful lot and it's not easy and I rarely get past it. Yeah. So swimming in it a fair bit here I'm, and there. I'm curious what I'm hearing might be different than what you're meaning. So I'm going to, I want to clarify. Sure, I'm sure. hearing uh, almost this idea of um, this capitalist notion of I am what I produce. Um, and if I am not always producing, then I am a failure. And it, it very much reminds me of this, this um, culture that we are swimming in of because <laughs> like we are, <laughs> it's the air we breathe where we are raised to be in grind mode. Like resting is anathema to our existence because we have been told all of our lives to, to produce, produce, produce. 
to to exist. And I'm curious if if you feel like that's something that's separate from from the capitalist notion of that, or if this what you're speaking about is more uh, personal and potentially separate from that, or is it a mixture of both? I'm, I'm I haven't I'm just thinking out loud. No, it certainly is a mixture of both. That that plays a big part in it, of course. Yeah. Um. How, how, yeah, I want to be careful. I don't want to. I'm not out to. I'm not. I don't want to be out there to become rich and famous. Um, that's never been. Well, that's not true. That was certainly a goal when I was a kid. Uh, but when I got into the into the actual work, into the meat of it, I realized that's just not a viable goal that mm-hmm. pays off. There's no payment there other than fame and yeah. money that doesn't, what does that do for me? Um, but yes, that actually, that's quite a, that's a, that is a very strong part of it. But the personal side of it is just comes from without getting too, without getting too into, uh, you know, what I deal with. Um, Cause that's a totally, that's another hour's worth of uh, stuff. Uh, just personal experience dealing with people as a child, um, having a certain trauma, uh, whether it's mental, emotional, um, as an artist. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, these are broad strokes I'm giving here, of course. But uh, yeah, there's de- definitely a personal uh, approach to that. And here's the thing, though, as a dad, seeing my children grow and go through life, I start to see that in them. Mm. And it is my very ultimate goal to make sure that they are protected from that. So I try not to, I try to, to, to not let that come out of me. Mm-hmm. Not, I don't hold it in. I mean, that's counseling is great. <laughs> 10 out of 10 recommend. <laughs> I, I love counseling. Um, but uh, I, I don't want my children to go through that. It, it really is. It, it robs you of joy. Yeah. And time yeah. and moments sitting there going, oh, I'm not good enough for this. Mm. Yeah. I don't have anything to offer. I thought I did. And people said I did, but I don't see it. Um, but I just want to keep moving forward. I think it's there, but no, it probably isn't. Mm. And that's horrible. And uh, so, yeah, that's a really long-winded answer. No, I think that's helpful for us to kind of unpack this lens, right? Uh, And again, this idea of seeking is something that there's a lot going on in this episode around seeking. Some of it is very much active, and I think some of it is is passive. And I think we can kind of look into the difference in, in these characters. But before we do that, before we dive into the episode, we have to do our due diligence with our 30 second recap. Right. And so that means I'm going to put 30 seconds on the clock yeah. and uh, I'm going to invite you or I can go first if you prefer to. No, that's fine. I episode. Can, yeah, I can jump in. All right. I'm going to give you a count of three and give you 30 seconds on the clock. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. Three, two, one, go. Okay. Uh, Wizard boy does a little trick and Ibis goes up into the, into the clouds. His spirit is free as a bunch of birds um they decide they need to go see rex igneous and uh find out the secrets of the the world uh but the other team of course is doing that as well and they play some fun games and viren uh figures out what it is they've actually been talking about and shakes his head at them because they're a bunch of dummies and (laughs) elsewhere in the village where we have elf and human conflict (laughs) 
Well, I'm terrible. I say this every time, but I'm terrible at that. No, you nailed it. You almost, like that was almost everything. That was like a good like eighty nine percent. I didn't get through it without calling those kids dummies. I mean, as as one should. I mean, like, <laughs> I always tell myself, don't insult anyone. <laughs> Yeah, no worries. We like it. It's yeah. fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you'll count me down, I will start the clock. Yes, absolutely. There we go. Oh, you're going to start your clock. Okay. In three, two, one, go. Okay. So Callum turns Ibis to birds and then Soren calls a meeting and then they decide to find Rex Igneous and then they go to Umbertor and then they find the sassy golems who point them to the Drakewood where the earth blood elves like Soren and Rayla split from the bros and they have feelings and then Sparklepuff throws up on Viren and they play word hands charades while Terry makes goo out of secretions and head to Umbertor and then Amaya learns about Lucia who is mad and forced to stay in captivity because she's the worst but she's also got a little thing right but okay that's time. Oh, she's <laughs> the worst. <laughs> I have feelings. Uh, wow, you did that was that was uh, in depth. Um, yeah, wow, you got a lot in there. Oh, I mean, thanks. <laughs> we can't yeah. play them all, you know. Oh. Awesome. Good job. So, very, very lovely. That means we get to get into the meat of the conversation. So I'm going to pass it straight to you and say, hey, what is a moment of seeking in this episode that you'd like to touch on? Well, you know, having a personal stake in it or a bias, I guess, but um, it actually, what I find to be one of the strongest points is is the the village and the that that back and forth it's that's a weak way of saying that 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 push push and pull between the humans and the elves mm. um and there's just they they are they are wanting seeking justice both sides yeah and it's it's just loggerheads and i remember sitting there watching it for the first time i'd not read that part of the script uh-huh. uh, originally so i didn't know that story i was anticipating everything opening up for me when I was watching it. And I was so, I was distraught. Um, I really was. There was just injustice. There was uh, violence and, uh, you know, it, it was such a mirror to. It's too real. Yeah. Yes. And I, without giving any sides away or any of my thoughts on what side is um, right or wrong, uh, you know, I, I'm saying out loud to myself as I'm watching it, they are wrong. They are right. <laughs> yeah. Just follow the follow the 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 not the clues, but follow the facts. And these people are wrong. Mm-hmm. Seek justice, and you'll find it. And but uh, things don't work out that way necessarily. Um, there's no final real uh, judgment yet at that point. Yeah, or is there? It's it's this is a fascinating line and you know i fundamentally disagree with so many people who on you know all of the social medias have been like this this story felt lackluster yeah i i don't get that i I just a thousand percent disagree (laughs) i I got flared up yeah yeah and so that aside i i'm i i found myself on with you there in terms of like this there mm, wrong Eh, what what happened here and at the same time i think what makes this so complicated and complex is that 
both sides are have a valid argument. And the problem is not that they're both wrong or they're both right. The problem is they could be working together when instead they put their feet in the sand and draw a line, both sides put their feet. Here's this line I'm going to seek. And I guess that's what even I think in order to understand the seeking in this moment, I think we have to go back to this initial encounter between Lucia and Giannis, right? Who is this elf that is lit the soul flame candle for his um, mother and mother, uh, one of the two. Um, and uh, what are what is what are they seeking in that moment? And that's it's a that's the question that was completely just ignored by Lucia it doesn't matter what you're seeking this thing that I am in charge of is at at threat and there's there's this line that I have and he's like nope this is my line and when two people regardless of what's going on are unbendable and inflexible around those things then this kind of encounter is going to happen and I guess my my question is, how do we avoid that? Right? What are what are the um, what can we learn from this, especially in this episode where Lucia is still has not has yet to understand the full implication of what she has done? How can we? What would be the right words to say to her? Right? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, she has she has zero empathy. Yeah. In a moment, she may regret that on her own and, you know, person in a, in a quiet, introspective moment. Maybe she has that time of, oh, I should have done this differently. Or maybe not. Maybe she has a very cold heart and uh, all that she can think about is her wounds and how she wants to get revenge. Uh, I don't know. But, you know, I try, I try and tell my children, you need to think about others first. And how can you help them in a moment where you absolutely do not want to? Yeah. Sometimes it's best to walk away, but sometimes we can look at someone and try and empathize with what they're going through and maybe try and help them step out of your selfishness, step out of your, um, away from your blinders and say, how can I help this person or be positive to this person when I just want to throttle them or yell at them? Yeah. <laughs> and as as an adult, uh, it's easy for me to say that to my kids, but I, I have a very difficult time doing that. But I see that in this. How could they have worked better to empathize with each other and find a solution? Yeah. Because, of course, they could have. Yeah. But, but we, can't, we can't just see that because then there's no conflict, and that's what makes stories wonderful is conflict. Yeah, and, and it's... I think when the stakes are so high, I think that's that's what escalated and made it so that this was so uh, tense, right? That the stakes were so high for mm-hmm. each of them. And so for Lucia, again, Lucia is coming from this background of, I have done everything right. I have not only done everything right, I left my home to come help you, elves, right? Yeah. Elves that hate humans, and I have done everything for you. And you can't do this one little thing and follow directions for the sake of your people that I have spent all of this time making sure this camp is set up and done. Like, I totally understand where she's coming from. 
And I, it's exactly what you've lifted up is that there is zero consideration of the other person's perspective. Yeah. I I do. I say this as a flawed human who speaks hypocritically, but uh, yeah, me too. I, do, <laughs> I, <laughs> I do take, uh, I do take offense to the, um, I've done all of this for you and look what you've done for me. Yeah. It negates any goodwill that was originally uh, perceived by Lucia of herself. I'm going to go help these people. And now it's mm. look at all this help I've given you. And what do you do for me? That, that is not a, uh, uh, that is not a giving spirit that says that mm. um, it, it can, it can be, but it, we have that the flaw is there's a selfishness that comes in because we're, we feel threatened. Yeah. Um, and of course there's more to it than that. It's not necessarily that black and white, but well, uh, the, the giving spirit says, yeah, I've done all this work and I'm sorry that it's not working, but uh, what can I do to make this better? And I guess my question then is what is, because I think we can seek multiple things at once, right? I think Lucia also sounds like she is seeking affirmation. Yeah. Right. And it seems like she hasn't been getting that. Like she has been putting, at least we we don't see any affirmation, right? What we see is her being disrespected and her work being unappreciated. And so I, I wonder if it goes kind of back to what you were talking about of this idea that sure, I'm not doing it for the consideration and appreciation, but it's really nice when it happens. Yeah. That's a fair observation. Right. I wonder how often, if at all, she hears from Sunfire Elves what that she's done a good job or that she's appreciated for the the time and energy that she's put into their welfare. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um of course we're talking about we're talking about fake cartoon characters. Super but, real fake cartoon characters. <laughs> but the mirror that it holds up to us as humans, as individuals in our day and age, in our in our personal lives and out there is uh, a really uh, a really strong, stark reminder of how we need to behave uh, and yeah. act. Um, I think you're I think you're right, though, of course, if you don't if you work hard and you don't get anything from it, from the people you're working for, um, well, that's called a, that's called a day job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but as a volunteer, uh, yeah, you might expect a little more and, uh, that can, that can certainly fan the flames of, of frustration. Well, and I, and I think about this in terms of, uh, hardening and softening. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like when we receive appreciation and affirmation, we soften. And when we are resentful, when we are frustrated, when we are living on less than what we can afford and doing like we, we harden. And I think what that translates to is we are uh, more firm, right? Our boundaries are more rigid, uh, like the, the harder we get, the less flexible we are. Mm -hmm. Right. And so this is a metaphor is, is I'm, I'm wondering if when we are seeking justice and when we are seeking to work together, I wonder if we need to aim to soften. Yeah. Right. And then maybe working together with the other person will be easier if that's what we're seeking. But is, is, this isn't a but, is Lucia so 
annoyed that she hasn't gotten any thanks that she goes to the lengths that she went to. And, and I mean, is she really that thin skinned? Um, or, or is it like any of us, we just have a whole lot more garbage in our lives that piles up and really informs all those other, you know, just sort of gets focused into this one thing. And this is where all my anger is going to go, even though 90% yeah. of this has nothing to do with you. I'm angry. Yeah. And we go, whoa, 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 why are you doing that? Why are you talking to me that way? Well, because something happened to me earlier, but you get the brunt of it. Yeah. So not to say that she's thin skinned, but I took it that way. That's, that's my interpretation. She's got other things she's dealing with. Yeah. They all do. It's a really tumultuous, uh, sensitive time for them in this moment. Fascinating. Well, in, in this idea that they're, they're seeking justice, I, I find it really interesting too, that she tries and says, I'm going to go back to my tent. Mm -hmm. Right. And Amaya's like, you should stay. <laughs> and um, pushes her down on. Yeah. Yeah. For, for your safety, um, you should stay. And I found that to be a really interesting because it seems like uh, Lucia has also lost her kind of agency in this moment by, by doing what she has done and being able to just go home or rather to her tent is all she kind of wants in this moment. And it's interesting to me to think about it from Amaya's perspective in terms of, is this purely for Lucia's safety or is this also because I want to keep you here because I'm seeking like a calm <laughs> village that is not doing anything, a calm camp or that isn't like disrupted. And I think that you going back would cause disruption. Yeah. It represents the greater picture. Yeah. There's a little bit of not, this isn't just for you. It's for everybody. Right. Yeah. There's a moment that always gets me um, when I see this in movies and, and film, it really hits me in the heart. When Amaya does that, when, when Lucia stands up, the, the elf behind her, or the soldier behind her, sorry, pulls their sword a little bit. And I see that sort of thing in this moment where Amaya is trying to say, hey, we're going to do this for your safety. You're going to pull it. What are you going to do with that sword? Or in, in, in another situation, what are you going to do with that gun that you're going to pull on this person for their safety? Right. It's such a conflicting uh, visual with what's being said. Uh, your safety means we will pull a sword on you and then what well it, we're gonna have to use this to keep you safe against you I, you know uh, it's very conflicting it's also interesting because we have to i think we have to recognize that it's an elf that's doing that right that, that was an elf right not a soldier that was an I elf. believe so yes yeah. and so it, when amaya says it it might mean one thing but if we look at it from a perspective from the sunfire elves like lucia has committed atrocious act of violence to yeah. this, this community and so her attempting to leave might cause a sword to come out and it might not be for her safety it might be i am scared of what you can do mm -hmm. right not literally like what you can do in this moment because you have hurt hands and you clearly aren't a fighter but like it's one of those things where like are you do you not think that amaya is capable of defending herself I think this is a pure gut reaction of like, I'm kind of scared of you because of what you've done. Mm -hmm. That fear is going to drive me to go to my weapon sooner rather than later. Yeah. Which is really terrifying for people that are carrying weapons like firearms. <laughs> sure. And Absolutely. have internal biases against certain communities. 
Yeah, it's it's all parallels, right? It's to to what we live in. Yeah. Ooh, well. Because that that person's behind her, and she hears that little shing. She's not feeling safe in that moment. Mm -hmm. She knows Amaya will protect her, and Amaya is a badass and the toughest person in the in the land, you know, literally. But she has someone behind her with a sword. That's there's yeah. no safety in that. So it's such a conflict, and it gave, it gives me anxiety in that moment. Uh, so fair. <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah. Awesome. Well, okay. We've talked. I feel like we've gotten a, a good mileage out of this this incident. I'm curious. Hmm. Is there another moment of seeking that you want to to touch on? Well, I mean, that's all Viren wants at this moment. Is, <laughs> is how do we? But that's not necessarily true. That's not that that's that's not all he wants. They are seeking, but he also wants. He he just needs understanding. He he's going. Th there's way too much he's going through to talk about in you know in. There's certainly the the broad strokes of it, but there's a lot of detail too. I mean, there's emotional. He's been damaged physically, emotionally, and mentally, and he's got to work through all of that, not just with his daughter, but with his son. Uh, stuff that we don't see in here right now. Yeah. We may see later. We will see later. Um, but is he, he is, he is on a journey, uh, if I can use that. He is on a journey to find out who he really is and what he really wants. And we see a nice moment of that when he says, maybe I should just stop and just live out the rest of these days as peacefully and constructively as I can. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that, that's a seeking moment. Like, what do I do? Yeah. And, and Viren's in this really interesting context too, right? Where he is still in this, I only have 30 days, uh, 28 days at this point. Who knows how, I don't know yeah. exactly how many days has passed yet, but uh, to live, and he recently had this breakdown of like confessing to Claudia saying, Hey, listen, why don't we just spend these 30 days with you chasing the wonders of the world? And he gets slapped for it. <laughs> um, and I find that to be fascinating because in this episode, he's all about like, Erevos, where should teach us your ways. And then he gets, you know, thrown up on by the sparkle puff guy. And it's fascinating because there's this such a uh, tension in what Viren is seeking and these different things that he is yearning for are pulling him in different directions. It seems like, yeah. right. Yeah. And I'm fascinated by that because when I, like I feel pulled in multiple directions often, um, but what happens when those two come in conflict? Conflict. What hap Like what? Do, what happens internally when what we are seeking is pulling us in two different ways, and we have to sacrifice something? Um, I'm curious. Like, what? What does that feel like for you? Because like, like, it sucks. But like, I wonder if there's a more articulate way to put that. No, I think that's. I don't know. I think. I think saying it sucks is uh, is a very good summation of that. For me personally, uh, I don't handle those sort of things well at all. Mm -hmm. uh, but if I try and look at what Viren's going through and what he's been, the, the biggest part is what he's been through. Yeah. Uh, not just the fall to his death and coming from that. It's everything that he's done pre-death. Oh, yeah. And now he gets to see all of that in front of him. You know, people say, you're, you know, your life flashes before you. 
he's now post-death and being resurrected. He's now seeing all those things. And he all he has to do is look in the face of his daughter and see what that has done, the damage it's done, and the horrors that have come from that. I think there's a great... And like you said, he's still he is still on a mission. He's He's got to find... They've got to find what they're looking for, but he's also now dealing with his daughter being more powerful than she was and doing horrible, horrifying things. Yeah. So there's a lot of push and pull. I'm struck by your performance in this when he just falls to his knees and it's there's this just desperation in his voice as he waits for Mr. Sparklepuff, Sir Sparklepuff, to lead them the way right and i like it's really the first time that we really see desperate mode in this season right it seems like um to this point it's been like what if claudia we went on this the seven wonder well all the wonders of the world and all the seven cakes of of uh you know the human realms and then like, even as you talk about getting resurrected, there's this like solemn, like, oh no, but it's this moment when he thinks something is about to be shared that he just goes into what I hear as, as desperation. Um, and it really kind of points to his desire to live, right? This, this desperate, desperate seeking of, of life. Um, and I'm just one like, I, I don't know that I have a, more than that to, to say. I don't know that I, there's even a question there, but that, that's, that was my reflection of that moment. And I'm curious, like, what was your kind of experience of that moment? Well, it's very interesting that you bring that point up um, because it does hit very close to how, how I was feeling as the actor and the person who's um, tried to bring as much information to Viren as possible yeah. outside of what's on in the script which is just, again, brilliantly written. We've got so much to work with. Uh, but uh, my thought when I read that was, and going into it was, this is one of the first times we see Viren without a compass, where he doesn't, he doesn't have that. It's not a true north, but he doesn't have that goal. It's been taken from him, and he can realize that what he wanted was not his true north. That's so interesting. Was, his compass was spinning. And he's in that moment now where he doesn't know. He can't just set his feet and go, this is where I'm going. This is what I want to do. It's yeah. a, I don't know what I need to do, what I want to do. Um, so that's, that's a very, that's a fairly basic way of putting that. But it, that was my idea back, back when we recorded that, uh, that he was sort of not compassless, but the compass was broken and he couldn't slow everything down so he could look at it even though the guy was dead for two years that's one of the major reasons because he doesn't know where to go from there he has yeah, an idea but fascinating like i i love this compass analogy too in relation to seeking because it's uh, uh this reliance on the out something that is outside of ourselves right and this idea again going back to this this pulling or calling that can be put into this compass, right? Where I'm looking at it, hoping for an answer that's outside of us that can, I want something else to point me in the right direction versus I want to find out what that direction is, where that's coming from within me. And it's really fascinating to think about because 
when I am having to make a choice about two things that I really care about and I really want, and I'm seeking both of them, I go into poll mode and I start polling the people that I'm close to. What do you think I should do? What do you think I should do? Right. And it's this idea of, I want to externalize this decision so that I don't have to make it right. And it seems like this is exactly what's happening. Like, okay, let's find Erevos because if we find him, I don't have to make this decision. Um, And I wonder how often we do that as, as people who are seeking, because I think the alternative is grief. I think the alternative is grief because when we are seeking multiple things and we have to make a decision, oftentimes what that means is we have to leave the others behind and the loss of that potential, the loss of that potential future, the loss of that uh, option in your life is, it it causes grief. And and of course that's going to cause, depending on, again, like Trauma is stress that becomes overwhelming. And that can, when you have overwhelming grief that it manifests in such a way that it lingers, that can lead to trauma responses as well. Mm-hmm. And ugh, that's just huge. I really appreciate that as an analogy. Absolutely. My pleasure. Uh, what you're saying, though, is I, I, it, I, I, I connect with that 100%. The, that is who my wife is for me in many ways is that <laughs> sounding board. Cause I say, I don't know what I want to do here. What should I do? Should I, do? here's my options. And she'll often very, you know, calmly and in an organized way say, well, here's your pros and cons. And I go, Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay, cool. Uh, that's, I should have thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I usually end up making the decision that I probably would have made, but mm-hmm. I didn't need that sounding board, but we move this back to the dragon prince and Viernan had that with Harrow. Uh, yeah, and, right. He was his sounding board, although Viren did his own thing a lot of the time and he got in trouble for it. Yeah. Uh, generalizing here. Um, he, when, when Harrow died, that was gone. And that's mm-hmm. just another layer as to, to, to what created Viren or how cre- <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting excited about it, but I don't know how to put the, put it into words. <laughs> Making Viren who he was as we moved through seasons one, two, and three. Yeah. Not only Viren, of course, there's a lot more depth there and a lot more of his own personal crap. But to have Harrow, Viren say, here's what we should do, and have Harrow say, no, yeah. this is what we're going to do. All right. Good. We've made a decision. I'm I I'm gonna go out on a limb here and not make a prediction, but I'm I'm making a terrified uh I'm drawing a terrifying parallel. Um, that may or may not lead to future things. But what strikes me as really interesting about what you're talking about here is this relationship between Harrow and Viren and how close they are and how they were sounding boards for one another. And, you know, we see that with Ezrin and Callum. And there are lots of parallels that are being drawn between Harrow and Viren, just as there are between Callum and Ezrin. And there's lots and lots of clues saying that Callum is going to fall right into Erebos's hands, just like uh, Viren did in a way. And I'm just like, I'm seeing the continual build towards that as a, as a parallel and a connective piece. And it's terrifying Uh, because I'm, I'm trying to imagine a way or a thing that would lead to that. And the things that come up for that may are, are very dark and very, very dark. And that means that if those things are going to happen, it's uh, terrifying. (laughs) 
Yeah, which I love. I love the idea of that. It's, it is scary and horrible, and people say, no, I don't want to see that. But that's, again, I go back to that's good storytelling. Yeah, right? That conflict. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I love that. And now, some of them are very obvious. Yes. It's like, hey, let's throw these big red herrings, maybe. Maybe not. Just a but super the, herring, just a big old herring. Super <laughs> herring, yeah. Oh, he looks very much like Viren. Oh, that's the same opening shot. Oh, he's doing the same thing. Oh, uh, we're the same we'll way, right? Yeah. yeah. Where it leads, we'll see. Yeah, Let's it's say. fascinating. Uh, not to like pull things out of you. Uh, can I? I want to go to a different uh, moment. Of course. If you can. Yeah. Um, there's this. I I was fascinated by this this lens because I was it, when I first watched the episode, I was like only thinking of it on a base level, the basic level of seeking. And it took me another watch through to really kind of lean into like, what, what are these characters really want? Like, what does each individual character seeking? And it's really interesting to me because I, I'm, I'm heading towards the, the Callum and Ezrin and Rayla gang. Um, and each of these characters seems to be, on the same page about what the group is ultimately looking for, but they all are yearning for something separate. And that collective seeking versus this individual seeking strikes me as um, sometimes counterintuitive to the things that they're looking for. And the reason I say that is thinking about Callum and Rayla, for instance, uh, like Rayla is seems to be continuously seeking um, connection with Callum. Callum seems to be continuously seeking distance from Rayla, and those are coming to a head often in this series or in this uh, season because of this absence and tension that caught was caused by by Rayla's choosing to leave, and under the umbrella of they're all working towards this larger goal, which requires them to be together. And so these things often are in conflict with one another. What we are seeking is in conflict with what another person is seeking. And um, in a similar way, that was true with Giannis and Lucia, right? And this is just different stakes on the line. And so what we're seeing in this moment is um, a, a higher willingness to blur those lines, right? And I guess my question here is when we are seeking, would it be more helpful or would it be more harmful to be more explicit about what we're looking for with the people that we are searching with and for, right? I, I, I'm curious about like, it seems like clarity would make things easier, but at the same time, <laughs> that requires an awareness, right? I guess, I don't know. what, what like, I, What's going on? Tell me more. <laughs> well, I, la I, I laugh only because that seems like a bloody obvious answer, right? It's like, yes, always be transparent in your communication with other people. Right? But it's just not that never works that way no no but why um, why why doesn't it work that way like what gets in the way of clarity uh yeah because uh, the fear that the other person won't want understand what i want or won't uh yeah. will judge what i want um 
fear that they'll want what they want more and then I will be discarded or what I want is discarded. Yeah. Feeling of being left behind or left alone or um, thought less of. I mean, those are those are detailed sort of things, but I mean, that, I think that's all part of it. Yeah, it's, it's so it's a vulnerability issue. It absolutely is. And if we let ourselves be vulnerable, if I say, here's everything I want, I'm fully transparent. And then you just get people walking all over it. And then you're left there going, oh, I thought this is how people should, humans should interact. I guess not. Yeah. Well, it, so uh, I, I think this is very indicative of reality, this this tension that Rayla and Callum are going through right now. But also part of me wonders what it would be like if instead of tiptoeing around this discussion, if they just talked it out again like they they tried in episode two and then they're just they they don't ever return to that conversation and i think that's the difference is i think that they did it right in episode what is it two uh where they they tried to have the conversation they fought a little bit they needed distance and they took it but then they never came back to the conversation yeah and you know, again, this is me being very hypocritical, as you have kind of uh, indicated for yourself in this conversation. But like, it seems like we need to remind ourselves to return to the conversation. Yeah, I agree. But I also think this, that is a mirror to how many, many, many of us deal with conflict. <laughs> right? Everyone, I, I just read all these posts saying, why aren't they together? They need to be back together. Because that's not how life works. Yeah, it doesn't get just wrapped up in this pretty little bow after they have this distance and then one conversation. Hey, they're back to it. That's not how it works. Yeah. People, elves, let's say uh, there is such there's such complexity and there's such depth and there's selflessness and selfishness and there's mm -hmm. angst and uh, and uh, anxiety and it just doesn't work that way. And the story pushes us further and we just have to move along with that yeah. and see where it goes. Um, because it just doesn't get wrapped up all yeah. neat and tidy, but it is, it is frustrating. Yeah. You know, for someone who's really invested in that relationship, those two characters. And there are a lot of people. That of course. Yeah. <laughs> and I do not, I, I love that. Uh, yeah. nothing, there's nothing negative about that. Uh, but I would say to those people, just keep watching because they're, it's, that's life. Yeah. And sometimes we just have to ride that out, especially if we're watching. We want instant gratification. We want that to work. We want to see them kiss again. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's there's an element to that, though, right? And I, you know, uh, the thing that I'm thinking of is like um, romance novel tropes, right? Yeah. Of the idea that, you know, you're when you engage in a specific type of romance novel, you know the formula you're going to get, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to get you know, they, there's, oh, they fall, they fall, there's tension, they break up, they get back together, or, yeah. oh, they, they hate each other, then they love each other, then there's a problem, and then they finally make it work, right? There's, there's, but there's this happy ending that you're promised. Yeah. And I think that's why people go back to those, to romance novels. And let me be real, I read a lot of them. I love them. Because, <laughs> like, I, like, I am like in this, this, this group of people that I'm speaking about. Um sure. Because it's it reminds us that like the, like these things are possible and these this fantasy that this thing that we want is something that um, exists out in the world right and we want 
often that conflict less story. And what we're realizing is that this story is not one of those. This is not a, a romance, right? It's not going to follow that trope. And it they may they may be a happy ending in the end, but it doesn't like this is not going to live into the instant gratification that we might be seeking from another source. And I, I think that that's kind of a meta version of thinking about seeking is what are you seeking when you watch the show? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, what are you seeking in terms of, uh, are you just seeking entertainment? Are you seeking um, a specific outcome? Are you like, and, and that's going to change the way you watch. Well, comfort, comfort often comes from relatability. So yeah. we want to relate to the characters um, and we want them to act the way we want it done. Yes. And so, that sets up not just conflict in the show, but with the viewer. Mm -hmm. And I personally love that. I love an ending that leaves me hanging or leaves me feeling icky. Mm. That sounds gross and dark, but I I just like, (laughs) I like endings that aren't uh, neat and tidy. Yeah. But I totally get it. Of course we, we do want, sometimes we just want to just something that has zero conflict and just make us laugh and make our hearts pound and, uh, and just, feel love and mm-hmm. and warmth and, and that's fine but thankfully with this particular storyline we're not getting that yet there's 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 still conflict there's still tension yeah but here's the beauty of having seven seasons of a show there's stuff coming <laughs> it's People, not over <laughs> no so don't look at season four and go how come i didn't get this well there's three more seasons yep so I'm not not giving away anything or what happens where and when, but there's an awful lot of time and material to come. So, yeah. Let's... All right. I have I have two more moments I want to touch on. Do you have a, one that you want to touch on before we go to those? Oh, jump in. So I want to go to Chert and Terbium. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the idea of this being a literal uh, metaphor, I guess a literal metaphor, is that a thing? Uh, for, <laughs> for gatekeeping. Yeah. Um, like they, they are literally gatekeeping, yeah. but it's also a metaphor for gatekeeping at large. And I'm curious into what are they seeking? Because what do they, like, what are they gaining by, by gatekeeping? And yes. I'm curious, right? Because, uh, is, is this like their job and their, uh, are they being compensated in some way? Are they doing this for honor? does it bring them joy like what are they seeking by gatekeeping in in i'm I'm just curious about that and i'm curious what your thoughts are there it's a really good question i mean they've been there hundreds of years yeah they know they know about all the dragons they know who the king and queen are they, mm-hmm. clearly uh but they serve rex why i don't know why why are they there and who are there more like them or were they imbued with right. religious piles of rock that were imbued with magical powers and exactly life? Um, but they clearly have personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, they have fantastic voices. I mean, they're I just mean, for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, they are comic relief. Uh, I just love those characters so much. I love them. I love what they have to say and how they bumble and stumble over each other. Yes. Uh, but th- that in part of it is is who they are simply because they've been there for so long and they just don't get guests. 
they haven't opened the gates in 80 years. Oh, that wasn't there 80 years ago. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, we have guests. Yes, let's talk and have, uh, you know, so they don't know how to react or interact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what do they want? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I don't think they get paid to be there. They're just, that's their job. Exactly, right? And so I'm curious, I'm going to just to 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 think about gatekeeping as metaphor now. What do gatekeepers gain? Like, what are they seeking by keeping people out? Right. And I, I think about uh, th that manifests differently for different communities, but sometimes we gatekeep out of protection, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes we gatekeep uh, to out, out of, out of preserving some sort of notion of uh, that, the, that, like protecting from change, right? We want to avoid change. There, there's just a lot of potential reasons that I think about in terms of gatekeeping. Like we want to. Um... There's also validation from from the person who you are gatekeeping for, perhaps. Mm, yeah, right. So I'm going to do this and I'm going to gatekeep because I'm either going to be affirmed, I'm going to be paid, I'm going to be compensated in some way, shape or form. Um, and so I, I guess... I'm just reflecting on that and thinking about like <laughs> how often gatekeeping is not helpful for the larger community. And I, I'm, I'm thinking about that in terms of, um, gosh, I, I think there are certain fandoms that gatekeep even, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much so. And I'm I'm curious again, like what? When do those benefits outweigh the 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 positives of opening our doors wider? Do they though? At all? Yeah. <laughs> I I guess that's the question. I mean, if we look at the show quickly, very quickly, look at this scene. These guys guard these gates. What are they guard? Who are they guarding them from? Zubaya comes in and she could uh, reduce them to pebbles. They're yeah. not guarding it from her, uh, from tiny little humans and and an elf. Sure, okay, but they're you know thousands of pounds of rock versus mm -hmm. soft fleshy humans. So, but gates that large, if you're protecting from other dragons, no such luck. They're not. That's not going to work. So, mm -hmm. bit of a it's a bit of a not a farce, but. They they're there for they're there for uh, the visual maybe, unless they have powers that we don't know about. I, I don't know, but to bring it back to reality, um, th there's just a lot of bluster when it comes to gatekeeping. And mm -hmm. does it who does it serve? It, I think it self serves the person who's doing the gatekeeping for the most part, and that doesn't help anybody. Yeah, and again, I wonder if we when we encounter gatekeepers in specific communities if we aim to soften right we there are so many tropes out there where nope can't let you in and then you aim to soften with affirmation with uh you know flattery with whatever it may be and then they're like oh let me let you in mm. right i'm thinking of this moment in um avatar the last airbender where iroh flatters the uh um, the woman who is doing, letting people into bossing say, and she's like, oh, 
I'll let you in because he's just very kind. And how often we drop our defenses when we just aim to soften rather than come at somebody with defensiveness or more hard. Hard, hard doesn't work. Soft, hard seems to make a greater impact in terms of reducing gatekeeping behavior, right? And in terms of helping you seek what you are seeking, <laughs> right? Yeah, because it, become, it should become something different at that point because gatekeeping in itself, just that in itself is, I think, the terminology anyways is just negative. Yeah. What does it yeah. become when it, what does it change to when it becomes softer and more pliable and more positive? It's yeah. not gatekeeping anymore. It's what is it? I don't know, but I think, I think ne negative negativity is what is perceived anytime someone says gatekeeping. Uh -huh. Yeah. If we look at the two characters there and we go, they're the gatekeepers. We go, Oh, they are the keepers of this gate. We yeah. don't go, Oh, they're, they're gatekeeping. Yeah. In that negative way. But if we put it in reality, uh, it becomes, it does become something more negative, I think, when we talk about gatekeeping. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I, the reason I this struck me was interesting. Uh, the YMCA of the Triangle CEO is retiring um, in North Carolina, and it's a pretty huge YMCA in terms of uh, nationally um, and internationally. And um, one of the CEO's retiring words were, every time we opened our doors wider, we got stronger. Mm -hmm. And the, the why grew like it, like it, again, when we close our doors and we keep people out, we are, uh, in a sense, not allowing ourselves to grow and allowing ourselves to change and adapt. And so this was just a, a question that came up for me when I, when I recognized that this was a literal gate and there was gatekeeping. Um, my, my last moment that I want to touch on before we, uh, transition to our, our final segments is with Terry. And Terry is a, a lovely character. And um, Terry's interesting because thinking about what Terry is seeking is really fascinating because what I see is this idea of, of passive seeking. Terry seems very content yeah. with just being with Claudia. <laughs> and uh, I think Terry would be very happy if Claudia was just like, ah, I don't want to do it anymore. I think he'd be like, okay, I'm with you. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's anything hinging on um, what's moving forward with this, this mission other than the fact that Claudia wants it. And so when we are content with where we are, it seems like we are able to lean more into inventive, creative behavior and that's what I see from Terry here. Like we go into this, like playing with creating this, this, this flubber substance, so to speak. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm curious, like, is that true in your experience too? Like when, are you better able to create when you are in your ambition mode? And like, I have to like this, this, I am being called and I have to do this mode. Or are you... When you're content, are you more inclined to create in a different kind of way? I'm like I'm curious how that lands for you. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, first of all, I have to I would have to address the fact that I uh, am rarely content, mm. and that does that makes that that 
I don't mean in, I guess in life, um, I have things that bring me, that uh, bring me contention, contention. <laughs> no, that's not right. <laughs> uh, I'm, my brain is always going and I'm always thinking about what I need to do next. And if I'm working, if I'm in a studio, let's say, and working and that there, I am content there because I'm creating, I'm with other creators and people are asking of me to create. And I think that just comes like that. I am super happy. I'm comfortable. This is where I want to be. And creativity flows. If I'm at home and I, and I need to create something, but I'm dealing with family bills, stress of this thing, this yeah. and that, it does not come easy at all. In fact, it comes with a lot of me griping and whining and bitching and moaning and, oh, I got to do this thing. You know, I have, I have, a, I have a very good friend who I got into acting and I would call him, we'd talk about stuff and then I'd say, oh, I got to go do an audition. He's like, no, you get to do an audition. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's where your joy is, remember? Mm-hmm get into that room, you close the door and okay, I get to audition. This is fantastic. And he says, you take that deep breath. This is so interesting because he, he said something along the lines of this, of being content. He didn't use that word, but wow. Now that you've said that, and I'm thinking of this story, it's just like that. He said, you just get to sit down and take that breath and go, look what I'm allowed to do. Yeah. And there's some, there's great content in that. So I don't know if I've strayed far from your question, but when I am content, I can create better. Yeah. And I guess it, it, I think, being content hinges on our expectations of the present, right? And our expectations of um, the the should word, like what should I be doing? What should I? And I think when we when we let allow ourselves to release the should, yeah, it feels like we are more naturally going to go towards creation anyway, right? We are. I think people, humans are creative. And when we're content, we are going to create. I think that's part of what makes us human, <laughs> frankly. Yeah. I think of people who in my life who aren't naturally just creative people, mm -hmm. what do they do? What do they do? What replaces creativity when they're content? Um, and, and not that, not that that's, that's not the point of course, but I'm just thinking about people who don't necessarily yeah. those creative people, but you know, I think about my dad, who's just not a creative guy, sure. but he loves reading magazines about cars. He loves working on cars. He loves. I think. I think working on cars is an incredibly creative process. Well, when you when I as soon as I said it, I went, "That's creative." Yeah, <laughs> it's not creating uh, something out of nothing, but which yeah. he can't really do. It's not his thing, but pulling things apart, putting them back together. Sure. There's certainly an art to that. It's yeah. Uh, Brene Brown, I think, says that everyone has creativity and uh, her language was unused creativity is not benign. It metastasizes and turns yeah. into resentful resentment. Yeah, that's uh, et cetera. And so um, that's a, a whole nother podcast. And so <laughs> we'll uh, pause there and uh invite everyone to to keep on listening for our next segment
Alright everyone, welcome back. We're so glad you're still with us. We are diving into the next couple of segments, which are quite lovely in my humble opinion. We're going to be talking about the Lens MVP today. And so again, our Lens is Seeking. And Jason and I are going to nominate two characters for who we believe deserve to win the MVP award for Seeking. And so, Jason, in your eyes, which character in this episode has exemplified Seeking for better or worse? I I think it's Claudia. Ooh, all right, all right, all right. Um, do you want my... Yeah, let's break it down. Tell us why. Well, I guess it comes from all more more than just this episode, but culminating and moving through this episode, maybe into the next one as well. But um, she is, she has, she's almost single-minded in what she wants. On a she's, mission. Yeah, and she's focused on that. Is that seeking or is that something else? Well, I think it is. I think she is really looking, yearning for that solution, um, which branches off into so many different things she gets her dad they get time together they get to live life he's changing she's got this new relationship all these things will come to fruition and be wonderful when they get this one thing done yeah so and that started much earlier than season four or season four episode five but that i think that's who i'm sticking with right now no i mean i think it's an incredible suggestion because claudia is I think it's the fascinating thing is like, what is Claudia seeking? Mm -hmm. I, I think that it's this, I, I think she's seeking family in a way that is, um, I don't think she realizes that <laughs> uh, she's missing the forest for the trees. Like, uh, right. She is surrounded by, by Terry and, uh, the love from Terry. She has Viren now for these next few days. And what is being lost is uh, we're not stopping to smell the roses and appreciating the fact that you have it right in front of you, but because you're chasing it so hard, you're missing it. Um, and so I, I think you're right. I think she is seeking this to the point of missing other things that are going on in her life. It's tunnel vision of like, if I don't get this done, then it will be the worst thing in the world. And I've already done so much for it. And there's this like a sunk cost fallacy in a way of like, I I've already sacrificed too much to not keep going. Um, yeah, relationship with her brother being one of the, the biggest things. Exactly. Yeah. Ooh. So Claudia, Claudia, as a suggestion here, as a, a nominee for this lens is a strong, well, as, the win, as the winner as the winner. But yeah, what's your strong contender? Uh, I don't know if I'm going to go with a winner, uh, but uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go in another direction. And I'm you know, we talked about uh, Terry uh briefly and i'm I'm gonna nominate terry and i'm gonna nominate terry because for the, for the basically the opposite reason uh of claudia i think that when we release seeking we get to see contentment and when we release this thing that we yearn and crave for maybe the thing that we never realized we wanted shows up and i think terry shows us that and 
this, I, I can't imagine being in my life and just kind of being with someone and enjoying being with them so much that I'm just like content to go around. Cause I too have that ambitious, that thought of like, I want to, I want to do more. I got to get this done. I got to have that done. If I have free time, I got to do spend it this way. And Terry is teaching me a lesson. I think in this episode of saying that the things that I care about, which I love creating, I love music. And I learned like the last time I went and actually sang a song and, and got a chance to perform is it's been too long. And I think I would be better off if I took a page out of Terry's book. So I'm, I'm nominating Terry. Wow. How do I argue with that? That's a good point. Thank you for saying that. Cause I don't think you can, which means everyone should vote for Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Or are we stumping? No, yeah. Vote for Claudia because boo, Terry. Yeah. Ooh, I'm going to tell Ben you said that. Um, <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, this has been the Lens MVP. Everyone pay attention and wait for that that Twitter uh, poll to come out. I can't wait to see who wins. Smash that Claudia button. Subscribe yeah. to Claudia button. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hit that button. Subscribe to the podcast. Pay us on Patreon. Okay. Definitely subscribe to this podcast. <laughs> All right. Uh, And that brings us to our final segment, my favorite segment, uh, which is gratitude. And you're familiar with this. So I'm just going to go ahead and pass it off to you. But who who is a character from this episode that you are thankful for? And why? Uh, Well, again, it it comes down to Claudia for me. Ooh, again. Ooh. Um, And I have to I have to separate it's not difficult, but I separate. I have to separate uh, Raquel and her performance <laughs> from the character. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyone who doesn't, who isn't me, will watch the show and they'll be taken by her performance. I or by the character. I see her working, and I see us, and uh, I'm very, 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 very grateful for who she is and what she brings to that character. And I get to see that in person. And that's a real honor yeah. to see someone work, um, especially when it's so touching and it's so vivid and uh, there's power in that. Uh, but just for Claudia herself, just her drive, how she feels about her dad. And you just want to shake her and say, hey, part of this might not be worth it. Mm-hmm. So, but you can't tell someone, "You, hey, stop wanting to stop loving your dad and wanting to make things better for him even though it's easy to think that and go it things aren't going to necessarily change the way you want them to and uh but i i just love her i love her spirit she's very dangerous Uh (laughs) uh-huh she's very nasty yeah and yet that coin just flips when she's with terry and with her dad and yeah she's she's soft and joyful and makes stupid jokes and uh just loves everything about terry and um and then we see her be cruel ruthless just ruthlessly cruel and horrible to to rayla and but i'm grateful for that character the way that character is moving through this season yeah Um, so yeah that's my that's what I'm grateful for. Oh man. There's just a lot going on with that. So I just, mm. it was such a pleasure talking to, to Raquel mm-hmm. earlier this season. I'm 
really grateful to have to have met her. Oh, okay. Uh, I I've been unsure who I was going to pick for this because there's a lot going on again, and I, I you know I, I think I'm going to pick Soren. We didn't really talk about Soren today, but there's this there's this moment that we really see who Soren has become in this episode in terms of his um, striving for for justice for the Drakes and for these creatures that he is seeing them um, being, you know, hit and, you know, tortured in a way or raised a certain way that is um, against his value system, especially having been proximate to dragons recently. And this idea that he previously tried to kill a dragon, shoot it out of the sky. It turned out really bad for him. Like he has, we see a full 180 in this episode where he is now literally doing the exact opposite of what he was trying to do in previous seasons. And I love a person who can change. Um, I think that people who like Soren shows us what it's like to have a complete paradigm shift and live into a new value system. And it's, it's beautiful because we don't see that very often in, in the real world. And I actually, you know, I, I can think of several people right off the top of my head, just thinking about it, who have people who have left certain cultures that like are, have been harmed by those cultures and are now resisting them. And Soren's also has no qualms. He has, there's no filter when it comes to yes. his gratitude or his uh, uh, appreciation of that change. Yeah. Which I yeah. think is, we all need that. Right? He says, hey, this is actually great being yeah. being friends with a dragon. This is awesome. I love that. It's not a, oh, I was, I was wrong and I'm going to be sheepish about it. He just yeah. passes the past and I'm a better person now. Yeah. Like, love that. like it's, I think what it is, is it's, it, he has healed. This is what it looks like when someone has healed from that, that pain. Right. And maybe not healed completely because he still has a very, very uh, strong reaction to seeing Viren in the future. But, you know, yeah, this is. Oh, I'm just. I'm really grateful for Soren, <laughs> like this, this, especially in this episode, I'm just really thankful for what he's offered us as viewers, for sure. They, they've written him in a way that. uh is really he is quite a bomb actually uh, yeah. for um for the trauma that these characters go through he goes through it as well but he he's imbued with this um this joy that horrible things happen and he takes them on and we see him suffer but he goes he wakes up and goes okay here we go new day incredibly resilient yeah so there is going to be some serious there's going to be some serious pain coming. I'm not spoiling anything. That's just facts. Yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> his relationship with his dad. Um, but uh, he takes everything in stride, big strides, big, deep knee bend lunging strides. Well, he's been training for that. So yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, well, Jason, this has been a phenomenal episode of really incredible conversation. There's, we yeah. I think we mentioned like three or four episodes from this one that we could have stemmed off and talked about. So <laughs> um, I can't wait to eventually uh, have you on again. This has been. Thank you, my friend. I can't. I was just thinking about future episodes and the ones I want to call. Yeah. That, you know, I want to 
claim ownership to for this, uh, for your podcast. Yeah. Well, listen, you're going to be on my list. So don't, don't worry. You will be able to, to call some dibs. Okay. Um, well, uh, until then, uh, if people wanted to find you and yeah. you wanted to be found, how would you like them to do so? Well, my address is one three seven nine eight. No, that's not true. <laughs> uh, We're going to go look that up now. What a dumb dad joke that was. Wow. My kids would be rolling their eyes. Dad, just answer the question. Um, yes, they can find me on Twitter at a boy Simpson. Or they can find me on Instagram at Simstagrams. There it is. Prepare to be underwhelmed. <laughs> There's some great Twitter content. You're uh, a, a loving troll, it seems like. <laughs> a loving troll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. What a way to go out. That's great. A loving troll. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to own that. I'm, I'm owning that. That's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Please do. And for everyone else, if you are looking to to follow us uh, at BNB underscore pod, you can find us on all the things there, especially on Patreon. We highly recommend checking out our Patreon uh, where we have lovely perks, including live episodes with me and my co-host for our avatar section of the podcast for cool live episodes, which is like awesome. You get to hang out with us monthly once a uh, incredible. Um, also, uh thank you all for listening it's been a joy to spend time with you and to be in your ears and we hope that you will continue to check in uh we have a special episode coming out shortly with Aaron has and justin richmond uh and so i can't wait to share that with you all uh so stay tuned uh patreon subscribers already have access to that so if you want to get access to it now feel free to sign up um without further ado that brings us to a close again jason thank you for your time and being with us and for everyone else until next time be well and do good